This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn more about Reynolds' online retailing approach by visiting reyrey.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. Welcome to Daily Drive for August 2nd, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, July auto sales are not too high. Carvana is back in business in Illinois and supercar makers are on a roll. Plus, Michigan's governor celebrates the passage of the CHIPS Act. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. July auto sales numbers have started rolling out, and they're not good, as expected. Toyota sales fell 21%, pretty evenly split between the Lexus and Toyota brands. Mazda sales dropped 29% from a year ago. Kia and Hyundai brands were both down 11%, while Hyundai's Genesis luxury line, which added a sixth model, reported a 0.4% increase in sales. The microchip shortage and other supply chain disruptions have kept inventory scarce. Analysts are predicting an industry-wide decline of 9.2% to 13% for the month. Not all sales are created equal. For certain high-demand vehicles, General Motors is trying to stop customers from quickly flipping them for profit. The automaker is barring customers who resell certain high-demand vehicles within 12 months from placing future reservations and orders. GM also is limiting the transfer of certain warranties. Steve Carlisle, president of GM North America, outlined the change in a letter sent to dealers last week. At this point, GM considers the 2023 Cadillac Escalade V, Chevrolet Corvette Z06, and GMC Hummer EV pickup and SUV as high-demand models that would be subject to the restrictions. Carvana is able to sell cars in Illinois again, at least for now. As you may recall, Illinois Secretary of State suspended Carvana's license last month over complaints about its handling of titles and alleged abuse of temporary out-of-state registrations. But Carvana applied for a temporary restraining order, and on Friday, it was granted effectively blocking the latest revocation of its license to sell vehicles in the state. There was a similar back and forth in May. Court records indicate the next action on the case will take place August 30th. For all of the industry's challenges, it's been a super time to be in the supercar business. Elite European brands Lamborghini and Ferrari both reported strong first-half results. Ferrari bumped up its forecast for full-year revenue and core profit after posting what it described as record results for the second quarter. It now expects to earn at least 1.7 billion euros before interest, taxes, and other non-cash items. Volkswagen Group's Lamborghini posted record first-half deliveries and profitability behind its Urus crossover. But CEO Stefan Winkelmann warned that Europe's energy crunch may make it for a challenging winter. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, we started off talking about how down the auto industry is in July sales. But my question is, why are these supercar brands doing so well? Yeah, it is a little bit perverse. But of course, the economy is very strong for people at the top. You know, high gas prices don't bother billionaires and multimillionaires nearly so much as uh, folks working at, uh, at an Amazon warehouse. Of course, the other big thing is the changes they've made in their products, right? So adding crossovers to these uh, supercars, 
really makes their brands a lot more attractive, a lot more useful for more, you know, rich people in their day-to-day lives. Well, Jamie, coming up, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer says the CHIPS Act is good news for Michigan and the automakers based there. That's next on Daily Drive. Customer wants to sign documents remotely? No problem. Customer wants to provide documentation and their driver's license in person? No problem. Customer wants to have their vehicle delivered? No problem. There are a lot of steps to complete a car deal, but what happens when customers start online and end in store? Or vice versa? You need a seamless, consistent process to start work and finalize every vehicle purchase, no matter where the customer is. Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds & Reynolds, explains how. Retail Anywhere is, is powered by the retail management system. So the retail management system is the engine that, you know, that kind of makes this all work. And it's based on the premise that customers can be anywhere, right? They can be in-store, they can be at home, they can be a hybrid of both. It doesn't really matter, but it's a single process of interacting with that customer. And that's you know really important to be consistent in that way. And it's only achievable through a single system like the retail management system. Regardless of where the customer is buying from and how, Retail Anywhere focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this holistic approach to digital retailing, visit rayray.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. The global auto industry, especially the North American auto industry, has been hamstrung by a lack of computer chips. There aren't enough being made and far too few of them being fabricated in the U.S. Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan was one of several governors encouraging Congress to pass the Chips and Science Act, which provides $52 billion in incentives for domestic chip making, an industry America once dominated. Our John Irwin spoke with her this week. Here's their conversation. Thank you very much for taking some time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Hoping to get your perspective on uh, the CHIPS Act, which of course uh, last week passed through Congress. What does this mean for Michigan? You know, does this open the state up for chip fabrication investments? What could this do for Michigan once it's signed into law by the president? I think it's a big deal. You know, it, it's that's the reason that I spearheaded a bipartisan group of governors to make sure that we were lending our support, try to get the politics out of the moment, because this really is a economic security issue. It's a national security issue. As we look to bring back jobs to the U.S. and lower costs for families and for for everyone, frankly, it's really important that we are onshoring, you know, these potential fabs and chip manufacturing in in this country. We've been behind. We've been reliant on um, chips from that have to travel around the world. And you know, if you're driving around Michigan and you drive past some of these lots with these beautiful brand new cars that are sitting waiting for chips. It's a powerful reminder that we've got to bring this advanced manufacturing back to our country. But in Michigan in particular, with our high concentration of engineers and supply chain and customers in terms of auto or variety of manufacturing that we do, this is an important opportunity for us to show the world we can lead and, and Michigan's got a unique set of strengths um, as chip manufacturers are looking to decide where they want to build their fabs. Of course, the auto industry in particular is in you know real need of these mature chips. Um, I know $2 billion of the Chips Act is dedicated you know, toward those types of chips that uh, automakers use. Would that be the type of thing uh, that maybe, you know, Michigan would really go after or, you know, what would that 
uh, I guess, look like? You know, what types of chip manufacturing are you going to be going after? Well, so, you know, we've got Hemlock Semiconductor and their work, you know, is predominantly responsible for the solar panels. We've got KLA, who's second, you know, they've got two headquarters, one in Silicon Valley, one in Washtenaw County, Michigan. SK Siltron, which has recently um, located here. So we do have some chip manufacturing. When we talk about autos, though, that is different. And so I do think that with all of the kind of host of things that we are doing, upskilling our population, investing in K-12, we've brought a whole of government approach to this to make sure that auto chip manufacturer would see that Michigan really is a phenomenal place to to build out a, a fab and to start producing these chips. We've got a, a, an environment that is hungry and and needs, you know, customers that are built in right here in Michigan. And that's why I think you know, we're putting such a priority on getting this over the finish line because we're ready to compete for every job. And um, I think this is an incredible opportunity and, and one that's unique, Michigan's uniquely suited for. Of course, I touched on this a little bit already, but, you know, of course, how would the passage of this bill, you know, help, you know, your two biggest employers in state are GM and Ford, or two biggest automakers. Guess what specifically does this mean for them? You know, does this help you, you know, be able to keep you know, more of these, you know, EV investments and that sort of thing, you know, in the state, you know, how does this fit in with, you know, some of the things that are being worked on in that area? I can tell you, I spend a lot of time with leadership, both at GM and Ford. And I can tell you, you know, I was with GM leadership last week and they were absolutely thrilled to see this, the Chips Act get passed. And they know that for their ability to transition their fleet from ICE to EVs, EVs require a heck of a lot more chips. And as uh, the technology continues to evolve, things are moving fast, but this is a crucial component of you know this transition that we're looking to make. So I know that across industry, whether it was Whirlpool, you know, that needs chips for our appliances, or it is uh, GM, that this is a, a moment where I think all of these industries came together to support getting this done because they recognize if we're reliant on chips from halfway around the world, we're at a significant disadvantage and it becomes a security issue as, as well. So, you know, we work together to get to this point. We'll continue working together to make sure that we're leading the transition and leading the effort to start manufacturing chips in the U.S. and in Michigan in particular. Just a couple of weeks ago, I got a tour of a new chip fab. You know, obviously they're incredibly high tech and required, you know, as you alluded to earlier, highly skilled workers. I guess what can the state do or what is it doing to get the workforce, I guess, trained and uh, ready to go for, you know, new investments like this? Yeah, we're doing a lot. So Michigan has the highest concentration of engineers in the country per capita. We have made incredible investments, historic investments in everything from K-12 to upskilling our population, whether it's in the skilled trades or it is leveling the financial barrier to, uh, you know, community college or to higher education. We're building out our infrastructure to support advanced manufacturing and, and mobility solutions in the EV space. We're serious about leading in this effort and we're putting our foot on the accelerator. So when you look at the high quality of life and the incredible partners that we have in our phenomenal higher in, you know, education institutions, it's a team effort and working with our utilities to ensure that we've got the energy that is reliable. And as the world's looking at, you know, the incredible climate change that's happening, we've got a huge strength here in Michigan with 20% of the world's fresh water in and around our borders. This is going to be the place to be in 20, 30 years. We got to start manufacturing these chips now, but you can have longevity and success here in Michigan. And it's a really unique opportunity for manufacturers.
Shifting gears a little bit, you know, obviously this, as you alluded to earlier, automakers are going to need more chips as, you know, more EVs get on the road, cars become more connected and that sort of thing. You know, speaking of electrification and another bill beginning to work its way through Congress, uh, the deal that was struck between uh, Senator Manchin and Democratic leadership in the Senate, you know, includes extension of the EV tax credit, but, you know, more stringent sourcing requirements. Uh, So I'm going to get your thoughts on that, you know, on the extension of that EV tax credit. And I guess, what would that mean? you know, for, you know, Michigan as uh, you continue to, you know, push for a greater EV adoption in the coming years? It's going to be important that we get it right. Um, I know that there's a lot of conversation going on in DC. I'm not a creature of DC, but <laughs> I was chatting with Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, who was explaining to me some of the concerns that our American automakers have with some of the language in the bill. So, you know, obviously the spirit of it is something that is important and that we support, but making sure that we get it done right so that it continues to support this transition and support American jobs is paramount. And so I know that Congresswoman Dingell, I think, is working with Senator Manchin to some extent on that. I know that the whole delegation is invested on both sides of the aisle. So this is something that I think we have a, a real opportunity, but we got to make sure that it, we get it done right. Thank you, uh, Governor Whitmer. I uh, really appreciate it. Of course. Have a good one. Gretchen Whitmer is the governor of Michigan. John Irwin covers auto tech and suppliers for Automotive News. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. You can get the latest news on auto sales, chip supply, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.